This programme is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. There's going to be a lot of no's, there's going to be a lot of long nights, there's going to be a lot of travel, there's going to be a lot of weekends lost, a lot of holidays not taken. Um, So it's definitely hard work and I think particularly if you're in a company like we were, where you're the face of the brand as much as the company itself, that can be draining. Hello. I'm Maria Staunton and I'm Mary Costello and this is Making It, the show that reveals the true stories of Mayo's women in business. From top executives to artists to female founders to those providing essential services in our local towns. Stay with us for the next 20 minutes and who knows, you might hear the advice or inspiration you need to get your own dream off the ground. Hi, I'm Mary Costello and welcome to Making It. Having the courage to step away from something that's not quite right for you can be hard, especially if you've helped set it up. For this episode, I spoke to Anya Malloy, who did just that. She co-founded Girl Crew, a social networking app aimed at women, but decided to leave just as the company was looking for major funding to grow. If you are trying to decide whether it's the right time to move on from a business or job, this episode's definitely for you. Anya has some great advice. But before getting on to Girl Crew and Anya's career since then, I was curious to hear about her upbringing. I was actually born in London, so my dad, John Malloy, is from Westport. If people are familiar with the town, they'll probably know Malloy's Hardware that used to be there on Shop Street. Um, So when I was about two, the family moved back to Westport and we kind of set up initially in Westport town, but my dad eventually moved out towards Nakruski, so just out there on the Balmrobe Road. So that's kind of where I grew up, Um, went through school in in town in Tormacady and then went on to NUIG for for college before moving up to Dublin for for work. So that's me. Did you always know what you wanted to do? No, no, not at all. Um, When I was in primary school, I actually had a dream of being a judge. Um, So I know it's an unusual dream maybe for a young kid, but that was kind of my plan. Our parents were very much into like having us understand kind of what's going on in the world. Um, So we read a lot of books. If we asked a question, my dad would always make us look it up in the encyclopedia instead of giving us the answer. Um, And we then we used to got a big kick out of spies. So we were spies for a while um, and we would like jot down all the um, number plates of cars that drove past our house and take trackings of their tire um, things like that. So like rub it with a crayon on a piece of paper. So we kept a good documentation of all the people that were coming and going. Um, and then we used to go to like a family day out would be a lot of protests and things. So it was all this kind of this swirling amalgamation of like, you can actually do a lot with information. You can really change the world. Let's look at all the, the pointers here and connect the dots and see what's really going on. I always had in my mind, there's always like suspicious. Things are suspicious. There's going to be, if I just turn the corner, I'm going to be on this like Enid Blyton adventure of a lifetime. So I don't know where, but it kind of all just tied together. And then in my head, I was like, oh, well, a judge kind of does all these things and gets to decide what happens so that's the perfect job for me. While she hasn't become a judge that urge to speak up on what's right and wrong and to puzzle how things can be better is something that has stayed with her as you're going to hear. After school Anya studied English literature and history at NUIG and stayed there for a master's in English and publishing. 
After graduation, it seemed clear she was heading for a career in the notoriously tough publishing business. And in fact, she landed a job after college with educational publisher Edco, whom many of us know as the publishers of exam papers. A diploma in digital marketing put her in the right position in 2014 to join a brand new project for women called Girl Crew. But what was Girl Crew? How did it get started? And how did she first hear about it? So Girl Crew was a social networking platform um, that was developed out of Ireland, but it, it kind of grew internationally. So a friend of mine, Elva, started it initially um, one Friday night. Basically, she was bored and was kind of looking for friends to go out in Dublin. She kind of had hit that age where her social circle had changed. People were starting families and settling down and moving abroad and all those kinds of things that tend to happen. Um, so she's basically just looking for a new way to meet people. So she changed her gender settings on Tinder. At the time, it was still um, heterosexual, so men could only match with women and women could only match with men. But um, obviously, that's since changed. So she changed her gender settings to male so that she would appear to women. She put up a little graphic saying, I'm a woman um, who wants to basically hang out and have the crack around Dublin. And overnight, she had about 100 matches. So also women all over the city were like interested in just going out uh, making friends meeting new people for varying reasons Anya herself was one of those women looking for new connections here she is speaking at startup grind in dublin in 2018 talking about going along to a cafe for her first girl crew meetup and i just walked into this like glorious afternoon tea and it was genuinely one of the best experiences of my life I, I'm not a fan of tea, I don't drink it, but what I enjoyed was just, it was just people there just to chat with each other and leave any kind of ego or anything at the door and everyone was there for the same goal of just having the crack and getting to know people. Um, and that was my first introduction to it and I'll always remember that and I'll always cherish that memory and it's not very grandiose, it's not some amazing thing where, you know, we were at some high-flying tech event, I literally met people over coffee and cake on Dame Street. Um, but then I was kind of chatting to Elva about how she could make the network better for herself and for members and make it easier. And then she was kind of like, do you want to help organize this? And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, Joe. So initially it was just a Facebook group that was, it was quite small, but it just kept growing um, through word of mouth initially and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And people were asking for it to be in new locations and that kind of thing. But it started, I suppose, getting real media attention when um, one year over the summer, we decided to play a bit of a, a I suppose, an internet prank. Um, is probably the best way of putting it. A load of us changed our profile settings on Tinder to be Mary Robinson. Um, so we were using <laughs> our photos, changed her name, changed the bio. We were all pretending to be the one true Mary Robinson. If people had matched with other Mary Robinsons, uh, she was fake and that they shouldn't believe the other Mary Robinsons that were on the profile. So as these things kind of are, are want to do, it ended up on the on Reddit. And from there, a journalist kind of picked it up, did a little bit of sleuthing and our group was kind of uncovered, so to speak. Um, initially, it was very secret of a private kind of Facebook group. So it was very difficult to actually get in. You kind of had to be requested and approved and that kind of thing. Um, but it sparked a lot of interest and the groups kept growing and people were looking for them. Similarly, it was like, oh, my sister's moved to London. She has no friends or my cousin's in Melbourne. Um, I have friends in New York as they're going through there. And it really just kind of grew very quickly and, and very organically. That growth and media attention led to major investment in 2016. 
Anya and her fellow co-founders were now able to leave their day jobs and convert what had been a side project into a business. That led to more exposure for Anya Malloy as an individual and as the face of a female-led, female-focused startup. In 2018, Forbes named her among the 100 women founders in Europe to follow. And that same year, she gave a TEDx talk in Dublin. As a black woman, Anya used her talk to argue for the potential upsides to so-called tokenism. Tokenism is obviously seen as something negative, that people are just there because they're a token minority, a token woman, token LGBT, whatever uh, the case may be. But I think there's also something to be said for actually taking those opportunities and making the most out of them and actually opening the door for other people to also step through and become part of that conversation, part of companies, part of networks, part of organizations. And sometimes you are the first person to do that who looks like you, um, who has your background. And I know when people kind of talk about tokenism, they kind of see that they've said individual will have gotten there with no merit at all um no sort of qualifications no experience and they've just kind of been somehow magicked into the role but that's actually false i mean the the statistics and data will show in fact individuals who are from minority backgrounds generally tend to have to work much harder um than non-minority peers that they're listened to less they're trusted less they get worse feedback they're promoted less all those kinds of things so you're talking about communities that have far more challenges um, thrown against them and should someone be given a role because somebody was looking at their diversity statistics and said actually we're incredibly out of step here and we really need to change things up that doesn't mean that that person is not qualified for said role it just means that they've been given an opportunity that they may not have otherwise been afforded um, and actively been hindered from getting in the past so i think if we want to sort of make the sea change that people are pushing for at this stage then when an inter- opportunity is presented um to you and you feel it's safe and you're you feel you're you're fit for the role um then you should take it so in that sense i think it's a case of moving away from tokenism being seen as a negative and actually just people being like the opportunity has been presented i'm, I'm going to take it but even getting to the stage of being offered tokenistic involvement has been and still is an uphill battle for minorities in ireland what does anya say to those who still question whether ireland has a problem with racism we see kind of everything that's coming out between direct provision, between the treatment of, of black and mixed race children in the mother and baby home. The police kind of did it their own internal survey and they were found to have much harsher views towards people of African and traveler descent um, and people of Roma descent. So, I mean, it comes right from the top down. I mean, we had a presidential candidate who ran on an anti-traveler ticket. I'm not really sure what else we need at this point um, if the Lord Mayor of Dublin is being harassed in her home. I don't really know how much more proof that we need. I mean, we've been called out from everyone from the UN to Amnesty International. Um, so it's fairly obvious to me. In her 2018 TED Talk, Anya mentions some data around women in tech. At that time, the majority of women in the industry were leaving the field halfway through their careers. In the UK, more than two-thirds of STEM-qualified women were not working in the fields of science, tech, engineering or maths. That was in 2018. Has anything changed? I mean, COVID is, is a clear example where we've seen the burden of childcare and family care and care in general 
being placed on women. And it's it always has been there, but now it's just been revealed much more starkly. And I think it's now we have an opportunity to actually redesign what work looks like, how we work together, how we collaborate, how we cooperate. And it's even simple things like enabling people not to work a nine to five if their role doesn't require them to be there at nine. There's no reason why somebody can't take an hour in the morning to drop their kids to school, come back online, um, do their job. like just creating much more flexibility um, in how we work and when we work and just giving people much more control and freedom over their diary. Um, even reducing in some countries, I know they're reducing now to a four day work week and they're actually showing productivity has increased. On the flip side of that though, I think we need to also move the focus beyond just women and also look at paternal um, leave uh, across the boards, so not just in terms of adopted parents, but also fathers, etc. And actually make that a mandatory um, time off, not an optional time off that's much shorter because people generally tend to opt not to take it. But if you're setting the expectation that actually anybody who has a new child um, or needs to take time off for their child is sick or their child needs to go to school, we've actually allowing you to do so freely without retaliation, without your career being dinged or without being held back. So it needs to be an entire refresh, an entire recalibration, because otherwise you'll have the system that we have at the moment where we start to hemorrhage women out of senior leadership positions. The culture doesn't favor women. Um, and you actually have people who are now hesitant to even have children because they're not sure how their career will be affected going forward. Um, so it makes it needs a much more holistic approach than just focusing on solely on women because they're only a part of the puzzle i think so there's there are definitely clear barriers but i don't think that should put people off i think we're seeing a lot of amazing businesses being run by women across the board everything from deep um deep tech to life sciences research and ai to the kind of the more traditional quote unquote female industries and beauty and things like that. But I think now there's, it's, it's increasingly easy to build a business. That doesn't mean that it's easy, um, but it is getting easier. So I think while yes, a lot of barriers remain and there's a lot of good, good women who have really strong success stories in the country as well. At the start of 2019, Anya decided to step away from Girl Crew. How did she come to that decision? Yeah, so it was just kind of one of those things. I mean, starting a, a startup is is incredibly difficult. Um, you're constantly at the edge or far beyond your your own sort of expertise, shall we say? Um, and it's it's a really intensive journey. Like you really have to put your your heart and soul and and everything into it. And it was it was a great journey. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we went through the whole process of of finding office space and hiring people and developing the app and putting it out into market and we had some incredible journeys in terms of meeting incredible people as well um in terms of like going to san francisco and meeting mark zuckerberg and all that kind of thing but it just kind of hit that point where we were sort of looking to open another round of funding um and then it was kind of really kind of moving to to scale so starting to look a little bit okay how do we move out of the the sort of startup space and move a little bit more into into that kind of scale up space and it was growing in terms of membership it was it was growing so as we kind of were planning to make those next steps um i just kind of was at the it was just a completely personal decision that i felt my time had sort of run its course um a bit it's kind of looking for something 
new um looking for a different way of working as well and just kind of looking for for the next step don't get me wrong like i i really loved the company i i really loved working there and it was really good fun but i was had to give more of myself than i was willing to give at the time i was willing but i eventually ran out of steam to be that willing um so i wanted to take a step back from that as much as anything and i think particularly if you're in a company like we were where you're the face of the brand as much as the company itself it, it that can be draining it was the right time for me to to step away um and just kind of yeah look for something new and what did you take um what did you take from that experience what did you bring with you from it Anya Oh god so much um I suppose the one thing is first of all you just need to be incredibly adaptive I would say if you if you're looking to be to start a business and kind of make it successful and all those kinds of things that come with it you need to be an incredibly tenacious and resilient person um there's going to be a lot of no's there's going to be a lot of long nights there's going to be a lot of travel there's going to be a lot of weekends lost a lot of holidays not taken um so it's definitely hard work um and in the truest sense of hard work but then on the other side is that for someone like me who who loves to learn and loves to adapt and loves to kind of keep trying new things every day is completely different every day is totally new and you have so many opportunities to develop yourself your your hard and your your soft skills as well um and just really kind of meet new people try new things be experimental and really building something from the ground up so you have control over everything from the brand to the product um that obviously is a double edged sword but it's fantastic to be in on the ground of something and and see that see it grow yeah and it's a risky place i suppose that is to be an entrepreneur you know to to mm-hmm. to manage it and set it up and keep it going and keep the interest in it uh you're with a big company now accenture uh why did you choose that company um so i suppose when i was looking for a change well a couple of reasons i mean to be frank first of all going from a small company i was looking for kind of some of the the benefits that being in a large organization provides um so when you're kind of working in a startup space things can be a little bit shoestring shall we say um so because you're obviously focusing on the product and that's where your resourcing are going so i was really looking for something that would not only take my career to the next step and really sort of leverage and build on the skills that I've built um and kind of really help to tie all those threads together in a more formal way but then also get accesses to the resources the work the travel all those kind of good things that come with a big company and the type of work that we do now is still in the innovation space so it's still very much on the cutting edge it's working to help solve complex problems um it's fast paced it's creative it's it's really about sort of breaking things down and and being experimental so it took a lot of the best of what i loved from my previous role um and i was able to bring that forward with me so i was very very fortunate in that sense perhaps there's an element of good fortune but onya wouldn't be in her current role at accenture the consulting firm if she hadn't placed emphasis on her own understanding of what success is i think more a measure of success for me is understanding okay have i achieved 
or am I on the way to achieving some of the goals that I've set myself? Do I feel happy here? Am I still learning here? If you can say yes to those three, then I think you're you're successful regardless of, of what you're doing. And then also, if you're finding something unfulfilling, you can change. And I, I would say have a plan, have the money you need saved, do think through your options carefully. Um, but there are so many more opportunities now than there ever has been before. And there will continue to be exponentially more opportunities in the future. So I think people should really grab onto that with, with both hands because there's no real reason not to, to be honest. But honestly, for me, I think the low points are if I, if I realize and recognize that something is no longer for me and I've stayed there longer than I should. That's always a, a regret for me in terms of I realize, okay, not just in terms of, of work, but in anything in my life, if I'm like, actually, this path doesn't feel like it's a good fit, but I try and just stay the course. Sometimes it's actually better for yourself to just say, do you know what? I've tried it. I didn't like it. I'm, I'm going to move on. In that approach, Anya is voicing something that's become a hallmark of those who joined the workforce since the turn of the millennium. I mean, the thing is that, like, we're the most educated, but also the most, like, laden with educational debt. We are the most adaptive, the most skilled, the most hardworking, the most blah, 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 blah generations that have ever been qualified before. So if you're talking about a, and they talk about the war on talent and how talent has won and blah, 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 but you actually need to be looking for a much more symbiotic relationship with your employer. Um, there was research recently, I think, that like 25% of Irish people haven't gotten um, skills like upskilling or training from their employer in the last year. So if you're talking about a millennial workforce, that doesn't align with what we want. We want to be working in fast-paced, adaptive places that are constantly looking at helping you upskill, adapt and learn. And then you will have the culture that you want. So I think if people are overworked and underpaid and also not feeling like this is doing anything for my heart or my head like I don't like I don't know why you would remain there longer than you have to but whatever generation you belong to the dilemma is the same do I stay do I go Anya has some advice it's about head and heart and something else too when you're looking at roles or jobs or new opportunities is kind of you need to go with your head your heart and your gut if you're going with just one it may not be the the best fit for you or it may feel like okay great I've got all these three things aligned but actually 18 months down the road 10 months down or 10 years down the road whatever you realize actually these are now misaligned and what is right for me and I think people I mean, I know people say that millennials are, are selfish and will move job at the drop of a hat and blah, 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 blah. But I also think like, kind of, why not? Like if you can afford to move, and I mean, be very strategic and tactical and practical, but if you can afford to move and you want to, why, like, why not move? Um, and just be a little bit more sort of self-serving in your career and figure out kind of what is right for you. You've been listening to Making It. A big thank you to my guest this week, Anya Malloy. Thanks also to David Scanlon and Startup Grind for letting us use the audio from their event. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Making It Mayo. Or you can email makingitmayo at gmail.com. This show was recorded remotely for Clamoris Community Radio. Find more fascinating local stories at CCR 
946.ie. I'm Mary Costello. Until next time, thanks for listening. This programme is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.